Hey, take a look at your notes. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn to Luke, Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 28 is what we're going to look at this morning. And uh, let's, uh, we're thinking about Advent, and we're looking at Advent through the eyes of Simeon, okay? We're looking at Advent through the eyes of Simeon. And you say, why Simeon? Because after the shepherds, Simeon is the first to greet the newborn Savior and his parents in the temple. And Simeon's greeting will prepare us to greet the Lord like Simeon did at his first coming, but we're going to greet him at his second coming. And his greeting is going to teach us how to live between his first coming and his second coming, Like Simeon did, he's going to teach us how to wait, how to watch, how to witness, and how to worship. And so Simeon's greeting prepares us to greet Christ when he comes again. And if you look there in verse 30, here's how Simeon greeted the Lord. He said, my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. And he was looking at the baby Jesus, who was not only a human baby, but was literally God in the flesh. And here's the point. When we see what Simeon saw, we'll do what Simeon did. And what Simeon did was wait, he watched, he witnessed, and he worshiped. And so we're taking this passage which goes from verses 25 to 35 in your Bible, and we're breaking it into four messages. And last week, we just looked at verse 25. That's all we looked at, and we learned this, that like Simeon, we wait for the coming of the Lord. We need to wait for the coming of the Lord. And the principle was really simple. Who we're waiting for shapes how we live. Whatever it is, or whoever it is you're waiting for, shapes how you're living. And if we're waiting for the Lord, it should shape how we live. But if you're waiting for something, you will also be watching. You will also be watching. And that's what we want to talk about today. So look in your Bible and let's look at verses 25 through 28. I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard, but look at it there. Luke chapter 2, 25 through 28. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking. And that word looking means looking forward to something and waiting for the fulfillment. That's looking always implies waiting. For the consolation or the comfort of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him. And this word for revealed really points to divine revelation. God revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus, only 40 days old, a little over a month, to carry out for him the custom of the law, dedicating him, as the firstborn, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, 
and Todd will go into this more next week, but the gist of it is my eyes, he's holding the baby Jesus saying, my eyes have seen your salvation, and he praises God for that. Now, some call this encounter with baby Jesus the Simeon moment because it was just this amazing moment, and we're going to zero in on that moment today. Now, look at that passage we just read. Looking and seeing are repeated. Simeon is not only waiting, he's also watching, looking, and he's going to see the advent of the Messiah. So here's what I want you to understand, connecting last week and this week. Waiting is not passive, but it's an active character quality. The philosopher and apologist Francis Schaeffer calls it active passivity. In other words, we wait actively by watching for what we're waiting for, okay? And that way we'll be ready when the one we're waiting for actually appears. And that's what happens here. What does it mean to watch for the coming of the Lord? Well, here's what Simeon is going to teach us. Today I want to see how to watch for the coming of the Lord. See, it's easy to say, if you're a Christian, it's easy to say, oh, I'm waiting for the coming of the Lord. I know he's going to come again, and, and I'm waiting for him. That's easy to say, but how do we li- are we living like that? Could people look at the way we live and say, oh, you're anticipating the coming of Jesus Christ. So I want to help us with that. I need help with that. So here's the first thing I want you to see. Watch for the Lord in the ordinary moments of life. Watch in the ordinary moments of life. Sadly, throughout church history, all the way back to the first century, some of God's people have misunderstood what watching meant. For instance, the Thessalonians, uh, some of the Thessalonians in the book of 1 Thessalonians, quit their jobs in anticipation of the coming of the Lord. Hey, you know, the Lord's coming. I don't have to clean the house. I don't have to wash the dishes. I don't have to go to work. The Lord's coming. And then like in the 1800s, early 1900s, there's a group who anticipated the second coming of the Lord. So they all put on white sheets and went up on a mountain and waited for the coming of the Lord. They had rapture drills. You know, they put a sheet on and just kind of jump, you know, the Lord may come. The Lord may come. Well, he didn't come. That's not how we watch. How do we watch? We watch in the ordinary moments of life. Look at verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, when you read that verse, it sounds very supernatural and extraordinary. And there is that aspect. I mean, God revealed something to Simeon that he didn't reveal to anyone else. But, but there's a lot of ordinariness in that. So here's what I want you to see. That in that statement in verse 26, there's a lot of unknowns in this passage. Let's talk about those. There's a lot of unknowns. We don't know how old Simeon was when this revelation came by the Spirit. We don't know how old he was. I think, in light of the context and looking at Anna, I think he was young. I think he was young. And he had had this promise for some time. Second of all, we don't know how old Simeon was when the revelation was fulfilled. We don't know. The text doesn't say how old Simeon was in this passage. 
But the idea of I'm now ready to die gives you the idea that he's an older man. And when you compare him with Anna in the passage, in the verses that follow this, Anna was definitely no, uh, uh, as old as 84 and possibly as old as over 100. Okay, and I think both of these guys, uh, the, this man and this woman, Simeon and Anna, were over 80 and possibly over 100 years old, which at that time uh, was really old. Okay, the lifespans were not like what they are today, and you would often die early in life uh, comparatively. And so we don't know this. Anna was at least 84, likely over 100. So what does this mean? This means that these two individuals live more than likely one-fourth of the 400 years of silence. So the last prophet in the last book of uh, of the Bible is Malachi, and he says, hey, The Lord is coming is literally some of the last words of the Bible. And there was 400 years of silence until the the Christmas story and the angelic announcements. And these guys had already lived 100 years in darkness and in silence. All they had were the prophetic promises of the Old Testament that there was a coming one. And they were prepared when he came. They were prepared when he came. And so there's lots of unknowns, but what we do know is what matters. And that's the way it is in the Bible. People have a lot of questions about what's not revealed in the Bible, and we need to focus on what is revealed in the Bible, okay? And so what do we know? What we do know is what matters. And here's what we know. God had spoken and made a promise to Simeon. He made a promise to Simeon that he would see the Messiah before he saw death. In other words, what's it mean to see death? It means before you experience death, you're going to encounter the Messiah. God said it, and that was good enough for Simeon. And so he waited. He watched on a daily basis in the ordinary moments of life. Simeon, now think about this. Simeon did not know how long he would have to wait. I think he got this revelation when he was really young, and he's been waiting. He didn't know how long, and therefore he didn't know when he would die. He just knew, I won't die before I encounter Messiah. Simeon didn't know who the Messiah would be. He wasn't told, oh, it's going to be this this person from Nazareth. He didn't know, he didn't know how old the Messiah would be when he saw him. He didn't know what the Messiah would be doing when he finally saw him. So here's here's what I want to realize. We have promises that Christ is coming again, but we have just as many unknowns as Simeon. What Simeon honed in on was what God had said, not his questions. Not his unknowns, but what was known. He had no idea that he would see Messiah as a baby, doing nothing but doing what babies do. And what do babies do, ladies? What? There you go. Uh, Our newborn mom understands. That's right. And that's all that Messiah was doing. There's lots of unknowns. But here's the thing. 
It was good enough for Simeon that God had promised it. So he waited, but he also watched on a daily basis in the ordinary moments of life. Now, what does it mean to watch? That's what I want to talk about this morning. Watchfulness is a spiritual discipline that is little understood, and it's one that we don't talk about enough. And the reason we don't talk about it is most most of us don't know about it. Did you know, how many of you knew that watchfulness was a spiritual discipline? No, I didn't know until two years ago. And, uh, oh, I was going to bring that book down, but it was it, it's a book called... Um, Holy Helps for a Godly Life. And it was written by a Puritan by the name of Richard Rogers. And this is where I first heard about it. And as soon as I heard about it, I'm like, oh, this is in the Bible. This is important. I need to learn more about it. I need to apply it in my life and I need to pass it on in my teaching. I've been waiting for the right moment. Well, I'm going to give you an introduction because Simeon was watchful. Simeon understood what it meant to practice this spiritual discipline. Now, he doesn't tell us in this passage, God doesn't tell us how Simeon was watchful, but we see the fruit of watchfulness. Are you with me? We know he was watchful because he didn't miss his God moment of encountering Jesus Christ. So, let's begin with a definition. So, this lesson is just going to introduce you to it, maybe on down the road, Here we'll do a whole series, a definition of watchfulness. Here it is. It's a, it's, well, I have Richard Rogers' uh, definition in your notes. Watchfulness is a careful observing of our hearts and diligent looking to our ways that they may be pleasing and acceptable unto God. And after studying this a little bit, here's the definition that I came up with. Watchfulness is a spiritual discipline of being proactive in our pursuit of godliness. And how do we do that? By being vigilant to guard and guide our inner and outer lives towards what pleases God. You say, man, Chris, what's that mean? Well, let's take a look at it. Let's look at an explanation of watchfulness. All we're going to do is break down this definition and help us understand this spiritual discipline. And that's the first thing I want you to see. Watchfulness is a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual discipline. What Richard Rogers calls holy helps. Holy helps. Why does he call them that? Because they are habits that help us to live a holy life. Another way to describe spiritual disciplines is to call them a means of grace. Something that we do that God will give us grace to become more godly, okay? Reading the Bible is a spiritual discipline. Praying is a spiritual discipline. Gathering to hear God's word, a spiritual discipline. All sorts of spiritual disciplines. In fact, one spiritual discipline is just getting alone and being quiet before God. A very un-American thing to do. Okay, a very hard thing to do in a day of technology, right? Think about your life. When am I ever alone and in silence? That is a spiritual discipline. Hard to do when you have young kids in the house. I get that. Okay, so let's look at it. Disciplines are merely habits that help us grow in godliness. Okay, so watchfulness is a habit that will help you grow in holiness. And they are spiritual habits 
because they're done in the power of the Spirit by those who are born again. In other words, these aren't works to earn our way into God's favor. These are habits we do because we've already received God's favor. We already know we're forgiven. We already know that He has given us the Holy Spirit to live a godly life, but we need to take and do our part to receive His grace by faith, and we develop these habits. So it's a spiritual discipline. Watchfulness is a spiritual habit that the Spirit will help you do. Secondly, I want you to see what are the essentials. First of all, second, secondly, watchfulness is proactive. Okay, it's proactive. And I love that. Here's the essence of being watchful. Uh, look, look in your notes. Watchfulness is seeing things before they happen or grow worse in order to take godly action. It's being proactive in your spiritual life so that you, you're spiritually able to see things before they happen and take action to avoid them, or you see things that are before they grow worse and you're able to end them before they become not a holy habit, but an unholy habit. Most of us get caught up in sin in a way due to a lack, of watchful, a lack of watchfulness. I mean, all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, how did my life get this way? And basically, watchfulness will help you to stop saying, I didn't see that coming. You know, a lot of us and a lot of people live their lives saying, I didn't see that coming. How did this happen? How did I get into this mess? And listen, when you're saying, how did I get into this mess? It's often not too late. Not, it's never, there's always hope in Christ. But you're already in so deep because of a lack of watchfulness. A lack of proactivity in your spiritual life. So watchful people are able to say, I see that coming. And I'm going to do something about it before it gets here. Watchful people are able to say, whoa, what I'm doing is not good for me. I'm going to stop and before it gets worse. Watchfulness helps us to do things like this. Here's what watchful people are able to do. Avoid temptation before it occurs. Now, you can't avoid all temptation, but you can avoid much temptation, right? And... When you give in to temptation, watchfulness helps you to confess sin before it gets worse. Watchfulness helps you to stop drift before it becomes a habit. Watchfulness enables you to be led by the Spirit instead of the impulses of the flesh. Instead of getting up and reacting to life, you get up and you're proactive, led by the Spirit like Simeon was. And... Watchfulness will help us to see God moments instead of missing them. One of the things God taught me many, many years ago, after I had just graduated from seminary, was every day is filled with God moments. And if you're not watchful, you miss them. How many times, again, have you ended your day and said, wow, that was an oppor- I, I just missed an opportunity for God. How many times have you encountered lost people who need to hear the gospel, and after you're chatting with them, you walk away, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I could have said this. 
Have you ever been there? And the reason we're there is because of a lack of watchfulness, all right? And so uh, there's all sorts of God. Now, so here's what you want to understand. That there in the temple that day, there were all sorts of babies being brought in. It was an ordinary day at the temple of firstborn dedications. There were all sorts of babies. How did Simeon know which baby was the baby Jesus? How did Simeon, in the ordinary of an ordinary day, see the God moment of God doing something extraordinary. It was because he was watchful. He was proactive. And here's the second thing. You say, so what are we to be watching for? Well, here's number three. Watchfulness is both inward and outward. Watchfulness is both inward and outward. So we're to be looking inward and outward. You say, Chris, what does that mean? Well, turn with me in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 23 through 27. Proverbs is in the Old Testament, kind of in the middle of your Bible, kind of open it up there in the middle, or in the front of your Bible, there's table of contents. You can always look at the books of the Bible in the front of your Bible. Proverbs 4, 23 through 27. Now, here's what I want you to see about Proverbs 4. Verse 23. First of all, verse 23 is a very familiar passage, right? You may have already thought about it in terms of watchfulness. What's it say? Verse 23. Watch over your heart with all diligence. There's the proactivity. There's the effort. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. There's your inner life. Watch your heart. But we fail to read the rest of the verses. Put away from, your, from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. See, there's that idea that you can see things before they happen. Verse 25, let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. But look at verse 26. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways will be established. So he goes from watching the inner life to watching the outer life. Now, in some of your translations, watch is translated as ponder there in verse 26. Carefully consider. Give careful thought. Those are all great definitions of what watching is. You ponder. You think. You reflect. What's going on in my heart? What's going on in my outer life? So let's break that down a little bit. Watch the inner life of your heart. What am I talking about? What am I thinking? And why am I thinking this way? And am I thinking God's thoughts? Romans 12 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. And Paul says, take thought every captive to Christ. Only watchful people will do that. Uh, Your heart is also a, a center of your feelings. Is what I'm feeling leading me to make bad choices? And should I listen to these feelings? And not all feelings are bad. Some are good feelings. You know, sometimes feelings of guilt are good things. They're warnings that watchful people think about. So what am I feeling? What, uh, the heart is also the seat of your will. Choices. Thinking about choices 
Is this wise or is this foolish? Will this lead to pleasing God? Will this lead to not pleasing God? Will this lead to blessing or enslavement? And then the heart is a place of guilt. Um, Why am I feeling guilty right now? Is it condemnation from the devil that wants to destroy me? Or is it conviction from the spirit who wants me to come to God to get cleansing and forgiveness? All that's going on in our hearts, and folks, it's going on every day. Every day we have thoughts, feelings, choices, and conviction that we either listen to or we don't. And then watch the outer life of your ways. And I've given you three ways there. Watch the outer life of your ways. Think about my ways, how I live. Uh, Turn in your Bibles, Psalm 101. You're right there in Proverbs, Psalm, Proverbs. Psalms come before Proverbs. Psalm 101, and let's look at verses 2 through 4. Psalm 101, verses 2 through 4. The emphasis here is really on the outward. Notice verse 2. In the ESV, it says this. I will ponder the way that is blameless. See the proactivity in that? See the watchful, I'm going to ponder, I'm going to consider, I'm going to diligently think about the way that is blameless, the path through life. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk with the integrity of heart within my house. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. You just about have to burn your phone (laughs) to practice that, your smartphone. Can you imagine taking an old kind of phone, handheld, and looking at it for hours on end? (laughs) It's radically changed our lives. Notice what he says. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from from me. I will know nothing of evil. There's someone who's thinking about their lifestyle and their lifestyle choices. The Christian Standard Bible starts out verse 2 by saying, I will pay attention to the way of integrity. So think about your ways, but also think about your doctrine, what you believe. Here's what 1 Timothy 4.16 says. Paul tells a young man these words, pay close attention to yourself and your teaching. So it's not just how you live. But it's what you believe, because what you believe determines how you live. Okay? And then your entire life, all that you are and all that you do. 2 Timothy 4, 5 says, be watchful in all things. And here in 1 Timothy 4, 16, he says, watch your life, your entire life. And I like Psalm 101, 2 again. We just read it. Christian Standard Bible, it says, I will pay attention to the way of integrity. When will you come to me? I will live with a heart of integrity. There's that total idea, inner and outer. I'm going to pay attention to a heart of integrity so that what's going on in here is pleasing to God and the way of integrity, how I live that out on a daily basis. So we're to watch our inner life of our hearts, the outer life of our ways, on a daily basis, in the ordinary moments of life. 
So don't stop working, watching for the Lord. Go to work and be watchful of your inner heart and your outer responses to your co-workers, to your boss. Let them see by how you relate to them on a daily basis, in your home, at work, that you have a greater hope than this world does. That you have a greater Savior than whoever they're counting on. And they see it in a watchful person. Now, here's what I want you to see. Why do we watch the inner and the outer? Here's number four. Watchfulness is both defensive and offensive. I'm not uh, think about the Chiefs, okay, right? We've got a defense again. We're still wondering if we have the offense, right? But here's the deal. If the Chiefs have both going, we're unstoppable. We're, we're Super Bowl bound, right? If we can get that offense and that defense, well, guess what? In your own Christian life, when you are watchful in both a defensive way and an offensive way, then you're going to succeed in seeing Christ at work in your life. So let's take a look at this. What does defensive watchfulness look like? It means guarding our hearts and ways, the inner and the outer, to avoid temptation and sin as much as possible. Are Christians perfect people? Let's say it again. Are Christians perfect people? No, no. But they should be progressing people. They shouldn't be enslaved in sin on and on and on, getting deeper and deeper entangled. So can you avoid all temptation? No. And temptation's not wrong. It's when we give in to temptation that it becomes sin. But unwatchful people are exposed to far more temptation than what they ought to be because they're not watching. They're not avoiding people and circumstances that continually tempt them to sin. And then can we avoid all sin? No. But watchful people avoid a lot of sin because they're watchful. And when they do sin, they're watchful to know, oh, I got that guilt check. I got that conviction. I need to go to God, ask forgiveness, repent, and move on. And move on. So that's what it is. Listen to Psalm 39.1. I said, I will guard, and some translations have watch. There's the idea. I will guard my ways that I may not sin. Literally, I will guard my ways that I may not sin. Guarding is watching and watching is guarding. Okay, I will guard, and he goes on to say, that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth as with a muzzle while the wicked are in my presence. Listen to Hebrews 3.12. Take care, brethren. Christian Standard Bible says, watch out, brothers and sisters. So there's all these different words in the Bible for watching. So you can't just look up watch. Okay, there's all these different words and implied in these words are what watching is. So watching is taking care. It says, Hebrews 3, 12, take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. So we're supposed to guard our heart and our ways to avoid temptation and sin. 
But what is offensive watchfulness? It's not being offended. It's being on the attack, guiding our heart in ways to advance godliness and obedience. So let's look at this. It is to advance godliness and obedience. So watching is defensive, guarding our heart to avoid. It's also going on the offense, guiding our heart in ways to advance godliness and obedience. Turn your Bibles to Galatians. Let me show you this in Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Here's the thing. A couple years ago, I read this book. And it turned me on to watchfulness. And then when you start thinking about it, you start seeing it in your Bible. And then when you see it in your Bible, you're able to more apply it in your heart. But look at Galatians 5. Galatians 5, verse 16. Notice what it says. Paul is talking to the Galatian believers, and he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Defensive or offensive? You will not carry out. It's defensive. Okay? If you're led by the Spirit, and you're watchful in the Spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. But drop down to verse 25. Verse 25, Paul says, in just ten more verses, nine more verses, if we live by the Spirit, let us also, some translations say walk, but it's a different word, and it means keep in step with the Spirit. Offensive or defensive? Offensive. So right there in that passage, watchful people will walk in the Spirit so they do not live in the flesh, but they also keep in step with the Spirit. And folks, that's what Simeon does in this passage. It says he came by the Spirit to the temple. Why was he right there? And what I believe is he was in the court of the Gentiles. We know he had to be at least in the court of the women because Mary was with Joseph. But I believe, as Todd's going to show us next week, that he was even out in the court of the Gentiles. More than likely, Mary and Joseph were buying in the court of the Gentiles the pigeons that they were about to sacrifice. And by the Spirit, a watchful Simeon is led by the Spirit to enter the temple and their paths cross in the Simeon moment, in a God moment, in a Christ encounter, because Simeon which was watchful. Is that just not the coolest thing? You say, well, that was cool for Simeon, but what about for me? Do you realize every day we have God moments like that, that if we know the Lord, watch for the Spirit's leading according to the Word of God, that we can see Christ present and at work in our daily lives? You're like, nothing special about my life. Listen to me. Listen to me. If you know Christ, God is doing things, even in the darkest valleys. Christ is doing things, even when you're depressed. Christ is doing things, even when you're tempted. It's in the ordinary that he's at work to do extraordinary things. Fifth, and finally, watchfulness is for a godly purpose. 
Watchfulness is not, a, it's a means to an end. Every spiritual discipline is, is never an end in itself. It's a means to a greater end. We read our Bible. That's not the end of it. It's a means to seeing Christ in the Word. We pray not to get what we want, but to glorify God. And to see God at work in our life and the lives of others. We watch, not so that we don't just screw up our lives, so we don't screw up our lives. We watch so that we can see more of Christ at work in the ordinary. Okay? Carmen cleans homes. By yourself a lot. Hard work. But Christ is in that. And guess what? She encounters the people she cleans for. And she probably knows more about those people than many people at work. I mean, people's homes, come on. She cleans the intimate spaces, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she sees more than she wants to see. But, Carmen, I hope you see Christ at work in the ordinary. And I know she does. Carmen is a great witness for the Lord. Because you know what? You, you can have a big house filled with many things and have money to uh, pay someone to clean your house. And if you don't have Christ, you don't, you don't have anything of eternal value. And, uh, you know, who knows? Those people might be cleaning your mansion in heaven, Carmen. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, yeah I know. I know, I know. Listen, listen. Watching is for a godly purpose. You say, Chris... I'm not seeing all this in that this passage. No, but you're seeing the fruit of it in this passage. When this passage says in verse 25 that Simeon was a righteous and a devout person, that means righteous means living by God's standards. Devout means having a God-centered heart and life. It's because he was watchful. Anna, watchful. Zacharias, watchful. Elizabeth, Mary, Joseph. And listen, it doesn't mean being perfect people. Zacharias couldn't believe the promises of God when he first heard them. And so God said, you're not going to talk for a while so that you listen better. Joseph. You know, oh, man, I don't know. Where'd this baby come from? I don't want to embarrass Mary. And the angel had to say, no. It's a God thing. It's a, an incarnation. What, what I'm trying to say is being watchful is not being watchful in order to be perfect. It's being watchful because we are imperfect, because we are a dependent people. Lord, I won't see it coming if you don't show it to me, but you, I won't see what you're showing me if I'm not watchful. Does that make sense? It's a grace-faith combination. By God's grace, he reveals things to us to warn us and to encourage us, but it's a faithful watching, a watching by faith that enables to see what God's doing. And please understand, I'm teaching way above my experience, okay? I just learned about this two years ago. And to be honest with you, it's by teaching it that I get more, you know, I'm, you know, more convicted in thinking through, okay, how, how does this what does this mean? And I'm telling you, when you start looking at your inner heart, and you can't just dwell there, you look outward too, but ultimately the purpose of it is for you to work, look upward to say, God, I want to please you. And the good news is, God says, 
That's good because I've given you the power through the Holy Spirit. I've given you the wisdom through the Word of God. And I've given you the encouragement through the people of God. And that's where I want to go next. How do we watch like this? Number two, watch with the ordinary means of grace. So you watch in the ordinary moments. You watch your heart. You watch your ways. But you watch by the ordinary means of grace. Everything we see in this Simeon moment is done according to the Word of God and in the power of the Spirit. You know, this is a short passage, and yet it is jam-packed with repeated references to the Word of God and the Spirit of God. So look at your Bible, and I just want to point, out, point them out to you. Look at the Word of God. Look at verse 25. Simeon lived according to the written word of God. He was righteous and devout. That doesn't just happen. That happens because he knew God's word and lived according to it. Simeon was looking for the living word of God. Look at verse 25 again. Looking for the consolation of Israel. He was looking for the promise of Christ because he knew the Old Testament promises. He knew Isaiah. And if he knew Isaiah, the implication is he knew the Old Testament. He was looking for the living word, and Simeon loved the God of the word. Look at verse 26. What he wanted was not just the words of the Bible. He wanted the God of the Bible. Here's why I think, you say, why did, why did God reveal this promise to this man? First of all, it was grace. He didn't deserve it. But second of all, I think it's obvious he desired it. I think Simeon prayed for this. And God, in his grace, granted him the desire. I mean, he read about this coming Christ in his Old Testament. And he said, God, wouldn't that be wonderful if I could see this come be fulfilled? And God, in his grace, said, Simeon, you asked for it. We have not because we don't ask for it. I'm going to grant you your desire. He loved the God of the word. Look at the Spirit of God in this passage. Verse 25, the Spirit was upon him. Not in him, because he's an Old Testament saint, but on him. And look at verse 26, the Spirit was speaking to him. And how does the Spirit speak? He speaks through his word, a revelation. Verse 27, the Spirit was leading Simeon. He came in the Spirit into the temple. And then look at the people of God. All of this is taking place in the temple setting where God's presence dwells with God's people in God's place. And Todd's going to talk about next week, verse 31, all of this was prepared in the presence of all peoples. And as I said, I think it took place in the court of the Gentiles because of the message you'll learn about next week. Simeon's watching is a blessing to Mary and Joseph. Look at verses 33 and 34. And Simeon's blessing is overheard by Anna in verse 38. Listen, there's the three big disciplines and means of grace. God's word, God's spirit, and God's people. You want to be watchful? Get into the word of God this year, this coming year. You want to be watchful? Realize that the spirit speaks to you as you know his word. You want to be watchful? Keep coming to class. Keep coming to worship. Be with God's people. Every day we gather I asked a, a, a man in our class just today, how you doing? Are you okay? Are you okay? I mean, are you really okay? 
We ought to ask, you know, when you're watchful, you see that in one another. Kim knows. I ask her questions like that all the time. Here's the deal. We're watchful. And then the Son of God. Simeon is able to see the Son of God incarnate in a baby. That is just amazing. So let me, let me wrap this up. How, we, how you watch will determine whether you see God's Son at work in the ordinary. So how you watch, how you watch will determine whether you see God's Son at work in the ordinary all around you. So, watchful tomorrow. If you're watchful, offense, defense, you're going to see God at work. And you're going to avoid things that you ought to avoid, and you're going to advance the things that God wants you to advance. If you're not watchful, you're going to miss God moments every day. I'm not talking about big, you know, I'm I'm telling you. God, these are little people. Francis Schaeffer has a great sermon called No Little People and No Little Places. Mary, Joseph, Anna, Simeon, history overlooked all of them. We wouldn't know them from Adam. (laughs) We wouldn't know Adam either if God hadn't. These are little people. You say, Chris, I'm insignificant. God's not at work in my life. Oh, yes, he is. Well, yes, you are insignificant. But yes, he's at work. But you're missing it because you're not watchful. You're not watchful. All right, so here we do. Now, here's what Richard Rogers says about watchfulness as a spiritual discipline. He says this. Watchfulness is worthily set in the first place Seeing it, seeing it is an eye to all the rest to see them well and rightly used. Now, Puritans are old dudes, so they talk in old language. They're sometimes hard to understand. Here's what, here's what he's saying. When you talk about your personal spiritual disciplines, the first and most important one is watchfulness. Otherwise, you won't do the other ones properly. Now, that was a huge mind-blown moment for me. Now, first of all, we sh- most, if, if you know your Bibles, you know Jesus said, watch and pray. He linked watchfulness with praying, right? Well, I'm, I'm putting forth to you, and Richard Rogers is putting forth to you, you should watch and not only pray, but watch and read your Bible. Watch and listen to people teaching and preaching the Word. Watch and in fellowship, in our grow groups. We have small home groups that meet on Sunday nights. We're going to have a party tonight. But guess what, my group? It's not just a party. It's a time to be watchful and speak into one another's lives. Watch and gather in the worship. Watch and serve. Watch and there's another spiritual discipline. Now, there's tons of disciplines. I I had limited circles. Okay, I took it from four to what, nine? Here's one. Watch and engage media. Watch and engage media. All of these, the idea is this. As I pray, I should be vigilant to guard and guide my inner and outer life towards what pleases God. As I listen here in our class, I should watch, be watchful to be vigilant to guard and guide 
my heart in my outer ways. Okay, so that's the idea. This is all new to me. But I think it's going to be helpful. Well, how long do we keep watch? How long do we keep watch? Here's the answer. And there's even angelic music to climax this. How long do we keep watch? For the seeker, watch until you see and receive the Lord. One of Simeon's names in church history, he is called the God receiver. Because he literally received God into his arms. So if you don't know Christ today, if you don't know that if you were to die today, that you would enter into God's presence rather than suffering eternal punishment in hell, then watch until you see Christ as your Savior and you receive him by faith. But if you know Christ, like Simeon knew Christ, then watch until the day you die or he comes again. Look at verse 29. This is where Todd will pick up next week. He, he, he sees Christ and he takes Christ. He receives him. And then he blesses God and he says, now, now I can die in peace. Why? Because he knows his sins are forgiven and his heart has been made new. And that now is full of theological truth. This is like one of the first times in the Bible where the announcement of the now, not yet. This Old Testament saint is standing here and saying, Christ has come. The old covenant is going to pass away. The new covenant has come. Now I can die in peace. Isn't that beautiful? And he says, now you can let your bond slave, Simeon, serve the Lord on a daily basis. So how long do I watch? Till the day I die or until Christ comes? And in the meantime, what do I do? I wait. I watch. Next week. We're going to learn we witness, and then after Christmas, you can come back in January. We won't have class for two weeks, and we're going to learn we worship. We worship. So we're going to extend Christmas. You know, you've heard of the 12 days of Christmas, so we'll be fine. We'll get this done before the 12 days of Christmas are done. Let's pray. Father, we come, and we are humbled that you would reveal all this to us in your word. We are humbled, Lord, that we live in the now, not yet. Christ has come, but he's coming again. Lord, I pray that we've learned to be watchful, to avoid temptation as much as possible, to avoid sin, but also to be led by your spirit, to advance your purposes at home, in work, at play, in our entertainment. God, Forgive us of our sins, but thankful that the Holy Spirit dwells in us, that we may live lives that are God-fearing and God-pleasing. Help us to watch like Simeon. Help us to watch like Anna until you come again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Be encouraged.